The following audio is from The Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, If you didn't know by that video, two plus two now equals fun. You're welcome. Uh, That's a new thing. You know, in the 830 gathering, I made a reference that two plus two equals fish, and no one laughed. Uh, But did anyone ever watch the cartoon series, The Fairly Odd Parents, when you were a little younger? Okay, lots of no's, but also a few yeses. It was a really obscure reference, so I won't make it here. I'll just explain it to you and be boring in that way. So uh, anyways, as Aaron said, my name is Jesse. I'm the youth pastor here. Do we have any of our students in the room today, this morning? Hello, hello. Oh, hi, guys. Good to see you. Uh, and so I'm just excited to be here to give the, have the opportunity uh, to speak something that God has laid on my heart. Before we get going, uh, for those of you who are friends with me on Facebook, I need to make a quick apology. And uh, this week, I did something that was a little dangerous, didn't realize it at the time. Uh, but I posted on my Facebook, I said, the first day of fall... Um, is in September. It's not when uh, Starbucks releases pumpkin spice lattes. <laughs> and, you know, I was, you know, getting some, like, you know, people challenging to, like, fight me. If you look at me, I'm not that intimidating, but I guess I can try to defend myself. Uh, there was just lots of, you know, tension that resulted. I still stand by my opinion, but if I hurt you in any way, uh, I am sorry. Uh, I also have my first pumpkin spice drink the next day after I posted it, but that's, you know, different... Different story for another time. Also just want to say uh, welcome if you're joining us online today. Uh, If you had a pumpkin spice latte, you don't have to tune out. You can stay in. It's okay. Uh, We love you too. Uh, But really just excited to be up here today. I had this crazy realization a few weeks ago, and that was that next year I'll be turning 28, and then that means that my 10-year high school reunion will be coming up. And I know some of you are laughing because you're like, I've had six of those. And others, <laughs> uh, others of us, like maybe you're a student in here, you're like, I haven't even graduated high school. Maybe you're a young adult. You still think, man, I'm just invincible at this stage of my life. Uh, my 10-year reunion will never happen. Um, it will. It will be here before you know it. Uh, but I had this realization that my 10-year high school reunion is going to be next year. And truth be told, no part of me really wants to go. And I don't know if you can like resonate with that at all. I'm by nature an introvert, so I was kind of shy and quiet when I was in high school. And I'm worried that if I actually attended, like I wouldn't actually know how to interact with all of these people from like, you know, forever ago. But I was thinking about it and it would be interesting to go because then you would get to see how people you knew back then have changed over the years. And some of us, we have connections with them on Facebook or another form of social media. Uh, some of them, maybe we are, we've not been connected to for a long time. And I have distinct images of how I remember certain friends from high school who I haven't talked to since that point in life. Uh, one of my friends, every single day to school, he actually wore a kilt. And no, he was not Scottish, uh, but he actually wore it because there's this game called Hacky Sack. Anyone know what Hacky Sack is? It's like a little beanbag. You kind of kick it and keep it up with your feet. Um, It's like soccer for people who aren't that athletic, and it's really fun. And so that's why I was drawn to it. And so I got to know him through this game, but he said that he could play better when he wore a kilt. And so that was interesting. But to this day, I still think back and remember this guy as being someone who wears a kilt to this day. Does he still? I don't know. Maybe I'll find 
find out next year. Uh, other friends of mine who I knew in high school, I remember having a group of friends who were just really smart people. And maybe you're out here and you were that really smart person, like calculus and physics and all of it was easy to you. Uh, you enjoyed it. And, or maybe you're like me and you were a junior and you were in geometry because that, <laughs> that was me at that point. Um, I still told people, I don't need to know calculus to be a pastor. I have yet to be proven wrong on that. We'll see though. Uh, maybe some functions or something. That's a math word, isn't it? Will be thrown my way. But I remember having these group of friends and there would be days where at lunch they'd be studying, you know, for physics or for uh, their calculus assignments or an exam that was coming up. And I would say, hey guys, can I sit with you? And they actually wouldn't let me because they didn't want someone who wasn't in the same class at their table. And that sounds kind of harsh, but it actually happened. And I think back and I remember those people in that lens. I remember one other kid who I went to high school with, we rode the same bus and he was continuously late for the bus stop. And our bus driver would be driving along through the neighborhood, see him and have to pull over and pick him up because he could just never be on time. Finally, it came to a point where this kid who also antagonized the bus driver on a regular basis was told, hey, if you're not on time, you're not getting a ride to school. Sure enough, he's not at the bus stop the next day. We're driving along and we see him and he's trying to wave down the bus driver as he's walking out his driveway. And the bus driver just cruising along, just waves back at him, doesn't stop and goes to school. But I still remember that kid as being the one who could never be on time for the bus. You see, when we look back at those high school experiences or seasons long ago, we remember people by how they lived their lives, which if you think about yourself, sometimes can be a little terrifying and a little scary. You see, as I remember people that I went to high school with in a certain way, I'm sure there's people from high school that remember me in a certain way. Uh, we all know that styles change over the years and sometimes people you know, have hairstyles and things they might regret, but this was actually me when I was in high school. You can laugh, it's okay. Uh, so this was actually what was in. This was when you know, Justin Bieber was just kind of getting his start. I thought that I needed to have hair like his. I didn't like his music, uh, but I did want a girlfriend. And if you wanted one of those, that was what you had to do. It didn't work. But the other part of this too, uh, my hair naturally is pretty curly. And so um, I actually had to straighten my hair every morning to achieve that look. So we were thinking, this is the guy who's trusted with our students. Okay, moving on. But I don't do that now. Uh, the other part of it too is I would actually take longer to do my hair in the mornings than my sister when she was getting ready for school. Now, the point of this message today um, is not to like, you know, show that picture and go, oh, ha ha, Jesse looks funny, still does, whatever. Uh, but the point I'm trying to make is that when we look back on our lives, when we look back at how we remember people, uh, how we live our lives today in the present will impact how people remember us in the future. The choices that you and I make today, the things we do, how we respond to situations, how we navigate different challenges that come our way in this life will determine how people remember us in 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Uh, have you ever seen a movie that involves time travel? Okay, one of the number one things they tell someone who's about to go back in time is what? The big no-no. Don't touch anything. Don't change anything because it will change your future. You see, in the same way, though obviously we're not time traveling, I have a feeling that will never exist, but you can hold out hope. For a lot of us today, we need to remember that the decisions and the choices we make today will impact our future. 
The ways we choose to respond, even if it feels minor, will impact our influence down the road. When it comes to our personal life, when it comes to our relationships, how will we be remembered? What kind of coworker or employee do you want to be remembered as? Do you want to be remembered as someone who was happy and cheerful, who always extended kindness and grace, who worked hard and did your best? Or will people remember you as essentially being Stanley from the office, if you remember that reference? Little grouchy in the mornings. Don't talk to me until I've had my coffee. When it comes to your family, how do you want to be remembered by maybe your cousins, your siblings, your kids, your parents? How do you want to be remembered in those circles? When it comes to your friendships, what will you be remembered for? Will you be remembered as someone who was always there and present when people were going through a hard time? Will you be remembered as someone who was gracious with your friends? What kind of neighbor and member of the community will you be remembered for? These are all questions that we have to ask ourselves. And naturally, these questions should bring us to a place when it comes to our faith in Christ, we also start to ask the question of what will we as a church be remembered for? You see, as we navigate this season, the past couple years going through COVID and this pandemic in an increasingly polarized society, what will the church at large be remembered for? Will we be remembered as people who were ready to extend love and care and grace to those who needed it? Will we be remembered as people who were ready to run into situations where people were hurting and broken and to practically serve them and extend the love of Jesus? I believe that all of us today as a church and in our personal lives are called to be practical extensions of the light of Christ in his love. And Jesus talks about this principle in Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16. If you're not familiar with it, this passage is commonly referred to as a portion of what's called the Beatitudes, or even more commonly sometimes, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is teaching his followers, and at the time of this passage, they're currently a smaller number, but he encourages them along these lines when it comes to shining their light. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Father in heaven. Father, today I pray that you would be with us. God, I pray, Lord, that you would begin to speak to our hearts, God, about how we can shine your light. God, I pray, Lord, if there's any area in our life, God, where we need to be convicted of how we can shine your light better, God, that you would convict us, God, that you would lead us and guide us with your spirit. God, I pray, Lord, that the message today, God, would not be my own words, but God, what you've laid on my heart, and God, that you would speak to all of us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. See, one of the first things that Jesus outlines in this passage is that we are to be what he refers to as the salt of the earth. You see, when you think about salt when it's at its best, number one thing that salt does is it adds flavor. Okay, when you think about the modern day connotations of using the word salty, anyone ever use that? It usually means that you're a little angsty or grumpy, right? But Jesus tells us that to be salt is actually a good thing. So number one, it adds flavor. It makes a noticeable difference. Number two, it preserves. 
Number three, it only takes a small amount for it to be noticed. Jesus is telling his followers that you are to be the salt of the earth, that you are to live a life that is noticeable, that your faith is supposed to help preserve and guide other people as they go through their struggles. Your faith is supposed to make a difference. And what's so encouraging in this passage as well is that Jesus' followers, again, they weren't great in number at that point, but he's encouraging them with this in part because he knows that if just a few people commit to making a difference, that they can have a tremendous impact for Christ. Jesus also goes to the other side of this, and he tells us that when salt has lost its flavor, it's essentially worthless. It's not good for anything. When I think about all of us in our relationship with Christ, I have to ask this question. Does our relationship with Christ add value or subtract value from the people around me? When you think back on your relationships, when we ponder this question of how I will be remembered, will people look back on your life and see that person clearly shine the light of Christ? Will that person obviously loves God because they showed a lot of practical love to me through tough seasons? You see, the people that I keep closest to me in my life are the ones who consistently speak life and encouragement, who hold me accountable, who are present with me through life's challenges. They're constant reminders of the light and the love of Jesus that should shine out through all of us. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Galatians 5, through 23. And it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And what we need to remember as Christ followers is that when we follow Jesus, God's spirit lives inside us. And when his spirit lives inside us, the natural outflow of that should be love. It should be joy. It should be peace. It should be patience. It should be kindness. It should be gentleness and self-control. When people watch your life, when we talk about this idea of are we adding value, we add value when the spirit of God practically lives out through our life through our choices, through our decisions, through our actions. Today, can I ask you, when someone in your life is navigating hardship and suffering, are you someone who is there to extend love? In a world that is increasingly full of conflict and uncertainty, where people don't know the future, do you have peace not only for yourself, but do you model peace for others that God is in control at the end of the day? When it comes to your social media, do you have self-control? These things are all important questions for us to remember because at the end of the day, people are watching how we live our lives. You see, that's why Jesus reminds us in this passage that we are the light of the world. We're like a city on a hill. We're not meant to be covered up and hidden. Jesus reminds us of this because people are always watching our life. When you choose to follow Jesus, your life automatically becomes put on a pedestal. Not in a way of pride and arrogance and I'm so much better, but it becomes put on a pedestal in the sense of people are watching how you live. People are watching how you choose to respond. People are watching how you choose to love and express care for others. You see, something that terrifies me about one day being a parent is the idea that eventually there will be a tiny human who is looking at me for guidance and how to navigate the world. And some of you, you live that reality now. Others of you, that feels like it's a far way off. Uh, but I remember back when I was a little kid 
And I was a little bit different from my siblings in the sense that I asked a lot of questions. Any question type of people, you ask a lot of questions. Okay, there's like a few of us. The rest of you haven't raised your hand yet because you're questioning whether or not you should. (laughs) But I remember when I was a little kid, uh, my mom would say something like, hey, go clean your room. And I'd be like, well, why right now? (laughs) Go load the dishwasher. Well, how do you want the dishes in the dishwasher? I was the type of kid where I asked all these different questions and graciously my parents put up with me through that. But what I think, you know, I think when I think about the future of like having kids of my own, I know that eventually I'm gonna have a kid who's gonna question me to death on things. It's just gonna be how it goes. And I think when we follow this to our faith in Jesus, we have to remember that people are watching our example. That people, when it comes to following Christ, if they choose to take that step, are to some extent going to emulate the life that we live and the example we set. As Christ followers, we have to remember that people are watching to see how we interact with the world around us and other people. It's not a question of if people are watching your life, but it's a question of what are they seeing. You know, not that long ago, uh, my wife and I bought a house last year, and we were remodeling at the beginning, and we hadn't hung up curtains yet in our front room. And when you have friends who know where your house is and you don't have curtains, you know there's probably going to be some degree of shenanigans that take place. And one of my friends, he's a good friend of mine, his name is Evan. He actually works here at the church as well. Uh, But he got me enjoying into this musical called Hamilton. Has anyone seen Hamilton? Okay, a few of us, okay? And so he said, hey, you really need to check out this musical. Uh, If musicals aren't your thing, you know, I'd still encourage you to check it out sometime. It's actually a really interesting show. But I remember we're sitting down watching it and it's like 11 o'clock at night. And then all of a sudden I get a text message from Evan that says, Hamilton, great choice. (laughs) You'll get there. He was driving by, looked in our window, saw my TV and decided, hey, I'll text him, why not? Now I will say when it's a good friend of yours, it's not that bad, but it also makes you think about like who else is like able to (laughs) look in my window. It's kind of weird. Another story, uh, one of our students who attends youth um, came up to me on a Wednesday night and said, hey, I was riding my bike in the neighborhood by your house the other day. And I was like, oh, that's so awesome. Like, I was outside from like this time to this time, like mowing my grass. I didn't see you. And they're like, oh, yeah, we were in the area around 530. I was like, okay, that's awesome. And they said, yeah, you were playing video games. (laughs) I was like, okay, (laughs) solid. Um, But here's the deal. People watch our lives, whether or not we realize it. My mom had this saying growing up, she would always say at nighttime when it was dark, hey, could you close the, wind, close the curtains? I feel like I'm living in a fishbowl. And in a lot of ways, us as Christ followers, we are in a sense living in a fishbowl when we choose to follow Jesus. We may not feel like we have much of an influence or much of an impact, but people are watching our lives to see how we respond. You see, that's why it's so important when Jesus tells us to let our good deeds shine out for all to see. Because honestly, the world around us can be very dark at times. And people are looking for something to bring hope, something to bring light, something to bring life. And when we as Christ followers allow our good deeds to shine out, that sets an example. And it gives people hope that they may not be able to see otherwise. But we also have to remember the why behind why we do these good deeds. It has to be based out of a genuine love for others. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 13, 3. Paul writes, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, 
I would have gained nothing. You see, good deeds without a genuine love for other people, ultimately at the end of the day, don't add a lot. Because the reality is, is that lots of people can do good things on the surface that are often tainted by inward focus, self-centered motives. If I do this thing, then I can like have some good recognition with my friends. Man, if I work really hard, then maybe one day I can get a bonus. If I do these different things, then one day I will get something. But the difference maker between a follower of Jesus and a normal person just doing good things is love. It's having a genuine desire to extend the love of Christ to other people. Those are the kinds of good deeds that actually shine out for all to see. That's what Jesus is talking about here. You know, there's a book that I'm starting to work through this month, and it's called Start With Why by a guy named Simon Sinek. And it's all about this idea of explaining the why behind what you do, the way you lead, etc. But one of his quotes that he writes, he says, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And what you do simply proves what you believe. I would ask all of us today, what's the why behind the good things that you do? When you have opportunities to love someone, when you have opportunities to extend care and grace, when you have opportunities to be present with someone who is hurting and navigating challenges, do you do it out of a place of love or do you do it out of a place that is self-seeking? Because again, as Paul says, he says, I could give everything I have to the poor, but if love isn't in the mix, then ultimately I gain nothing from that. We have to remember that as Christ followers, when it comes to this idea of shining our love, we have to remember that that has to be at the center, to love other people. You see, everything I'm saying today boils down to this simple truth, and that is to shine your light, show your love. And this statement initially feels like an oversimplification. To shine your light, show your love, got it. But really, we have to remember and process this for our own life. If we want to shine the light of Christ, we have to show that we love and care for other people. And if you look at the world around us, there are tons of people who are in desperate need to know that there is a God who loves and cares about them. And one of the best ways to do that, to let it shine forth, is to do good deeds for others that are motivated by love. And when we step out and we do these good deeds, it'll probably feel uncomfortable at first, especially if you're not in the habit of doing so. You know, I don't know about you, but does anyone love Costco? Any Costco people here? Okay, so I love Costco. And one of the reasons I love Costco is because one, they have a lot of cool things. Um, And so I love also too, I can get those cool things in bulk if I choose to. Uh, And I know what you're thinking. How could like a family of two possibly need a Costco membership? Well, I'll tell you why. You see, one thing that I bought from Costco, it's actually in my pocket here, is a headlamp, okay? See, look, lights up, isn't that so cool? Uh, But here's what is cooler than that, is this came in a (laughs) three-pack. Now, sure enough, I know what you're thinking. Again, why do you need three headlamps? Uh, To this day, I don't exactly know. Uh, But I remember I saw it and I was like, man, you know, I just bought a house. Uh, You never know when you'll have to like work on it, like, you know, at nighttime and fix something. You know how when you're trying to justify a purchase, you probably don't need, you like kind of just figure out all these different reasons so you can justify it to your spouse. That's exactly what I did. Joy was like, why do you need three headlamps? And I was like, don't question it, just trust, okay? It'll be fine. (laughs) And sure enough, I remember buying these 
And um, within our family, it kind of became a joke from like, you know, my in-laws and my parents, like, oh, why did you buy three headlamps? That's kind of funny. Friends would tease me often, why did you feel the need to buy a three-pack of headlamps? And it's all funny, right, until you actually need them and you wind up being right. Uh, I still can't justify having three, but having a headlamp, I can. You see, there was one night we were all sitting, uh, me and Joy, uh, watching, I think it was the show Alone, if you've never seen it, it's really good. And we're sitting there, it's like 11.30 at night, and I hear this like scratching underneath your house. Um, and not your house, my house. And that's never a good thing when you hear that noise, right, underneath your house. And I remember I paused the show, because Joy didn't hear it, but I heard it. And then next, we hear this, no joke, we hear, meow. <laughs> meow. Like there was a cat in my basement. And it was like probably 11.30 at night, and sure enough, what do I do? triumphantly got my headlamp, (laughs) strapped this on my head, and I went under the house. And sure enough, there was a cat down there. Um, I had to just leave it open, and he got out eventually. But the moral of the story here, right, is that people thought it was kind of ridiculous. It didn't make a lot of sense, but oftentimes when we choose to shine our light, it's not always going to make sense to others. It's not always going to feel comfortable for us. People will look at you and think, man, you look really funny wearing that. But the truth is, it's what God has called us all to do. You know, yesterday I was actually changing my oil. No one who's running sound in the back was actually helping me. And I got this headlamp out to go under the car. And he looked at me and said, nerd. But anyways, (laughs) the point is, again, shining your your light may not always be understood by others. It may be uncomfortable, but it is what Jesus has called us to do. In just a few moments, the worship team is going to lead us in a time of response. And here's the simple response thing that I want all of us to reflect on today. That is, how will I commit to shining the light of Christ? As we move into the fall, as we progress into the school year, as we navigate um, the continuous issue of COVID and the impact that makes on our world, how will you commit to shining the light of Christ? When it comes to your personal life, how will you commit to shining the light of Christ in your family? How will you commit to shining the light of Christ with your friends? How will you commit to shining the light of Christ in your workplace, in your community, in your neighborhood? How is God leading you this morning to be a better representation of him and his love? And on top of this too, I would encourage us to reflect on how will we commit to shining the light of Christ as a church? 10, 20, 30 years down the road, what will the Grove Church be remembered for? We say all the time as a team, if the Grove Church were to close its doors today, would the community notice? And our heartbeat, and I know the heart of of Pastor Nick, is that we would be a church, man, where we genuinely love and care for people. We express the love of Christ in real and tangible ways. That's why as we talk about Launch Sunday coming up, one, it's just a little bit of a teaser to get us thinking about it and prepared for the fall, but tutoring is gonna be an aspect of how we express love and care to our community. I remember starting it last spring, and we had a handful of people who were there tutoring kids, and gradually it grew and grew and grew over a few weeks. And yes, kids receive the help they need, which is so important, but also they discover there's an adult in their life who cares. It's a practical way to shine the light of Christ. And it's done by showing love in a practical way. So as the team leads us again in just a couple moments, my encouragement for all of us is to write on your Connect card, you should have gotten that on the way in, how are you committing to shining the light of Christ this week? It could be something in your personal life. 
It could be maybe through tutoring in the future. I don't know what that is for you, but how are you committing to shining the light of Christ? You see, all of us, whether it's in our personal sphere of influence or as a church, have this opportunity. And I can't help but imagine what our community would look like in the future if we all made that commitment to shine the light of Christ. So again, I would encourage you, how is God leading you to shine the light of Christ today? I'm gonna go ahead and pray for us and then we'll encourage you to fill out that connect card. God, I thank you so much. God, for your great love for us. God, I thank you that when we come before you, God, when we have these opportunities to gather, God, that you can lead us and guide us. And God, and point out areas in our life, God, where maybe we need to grow or change. God, I pray for every single person in this room today. God, I pray you would begin to speak to us. God, guide our hearts into knowing, God, when we have opportunities to shine your light and how to proceed and how to move forward. God, I pray that within that, God, we would be a people who have courage, God, who have boldness to step into situations where, yes, it may not necessarily be comfortable to shine our light, to show your love, but God, that we would do it anyway. God, would you bring people into our life intentionally this week, God, as opportunities to express love, to express care, God, to be present for them when they're hurting. God, we also lift up this next season to you as a church. God, I pray that you would stir within us, God, a holy discontent. God, that we would be looking forward to the future. God, that we would be gazing for opportunities to see how you would use us. God, how we can better serve. God, how we can move into this next season and make an impact for your kingdom. God, I pray, Lord, that for every single person in this room, God, that as they shine your light and show your love, God, that lives would be changed. God, that a difference would be made. God, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.